Back in the United States, we're getting a closer look at a devastating takedown of Republican lawmakers from one of their own. And former Congresswoman Liz Cheney's new book, Oath and Honor, Cheney paints a scathing picture of the party's leaders, calling them enablers, collaborators, and cowards for their actions in the days following the 2020 election. She writes, quote, so strong is the lure of power that men and women who had once seemed reasonable and responsible were suddenly willing to violate their oath to the Constitution out of political expediency and loyalty to Donald Trump. Ron Brownstein is with us now to talk a little bit about this. And Ron Cheney writes about how then minority leader Kevin McCarthy actually spoke to Trump right after the election and that Trump acknowledged to McCarthy that he lost. McCarthy said, quote, he knows it's over. He needs to go through all the stages of grief. How much of a revelation mm -hmm. is that to you? I think that's an enormous revelation. And out of the uh, disclosures in the CNN piece about the book, the most significant politically and potentially legally, obviously the prosecutors uh, looking at Trump, both in uh, the federal prosecutor and in Georgia, looking at his role in trying to overturn the 2020 election are looking at his frame of mind. I don't know if Cheney's specific admission is uh, admissible because it's a third party communication, but it certainly uh, puts a bullseye on Kevin McCarthy uh, and what uh, he heard directly from Trump that he knew he lost before he undertook all his efforts to overturn the election. Of course, it also puts into a stark relief what congressional Republicans did. So many of them joining the Mike Johnson lawsuit to overturn uh, the results, voting to overturn the results when their leader knew directly from President Trump in the immediate aftermath of the election uh, that it was all based, all fundamentally rooted in a lie. And Ron, you mentioned that legal effort by Mike Johnson, who's now the House Speaker, uh, to try to drum up support to get the Supreme Court to toss out the 2020 election. Cheney specifically writes about him saying, quote, when I confronted him with the flaws in his legal arguments, Johnson would often concede or say something to the effect of, we just need to do this one last thing for Trump. Now, with hindsight, we know Trump didn't go away. He stands far and away the leading Republican candidate uh, for the GOP nomination. Do you think these revelations, though, from Cheney are enough to move primary voters? No, I, I don't think I don't think it's going to have an impact in terms of the Republican uh, primary. We already know the, the kind of the breakdown and the share of Republicans who essentially believe Trump's lie that the election was stolen. Of course, but the implications of what she's revealing there are incredibly profound for 2024 and 2025. I mean, uh, I, I think that the, one of the key messages that comes out of what we know about this book so far is that it underscores the willingness of a broad range of Republicans to participate in an effort to overturn the election, uh, despite, as I said, their leader knowing from the outset, uh, from the, in essence, from the horse's mouth, that it was all based uh, on a falsehood. And that has big implications for 2025. You know, I don't think Republicans are going to countenance another full-scale physical attack on the Capitol, but this does raise, I think, the issue of how far they would go again if they are in control of the House when votes have to be certified in January 2025 to support efforts by Trump to overturn the election, particularly if they are in the majority uh, and he is the nominee again. Yeah, it's striking that a lot of these leaders are, are still in power, as you noted, Ron. So is the concern then that that message isn't going to get to the right ears, that either voters or lawmakers are, are not going to change their apparently unwavering support for Donald Trump? Well, you know, there's a, it's a very different issue what this means in a primary and what it means in a general election. You know, as I wrote 
in the Atlantic last week. Uh, you know, historically, the rule of thumb was a president had to get to 50% approval uh, in order to be considered uh, likely to win re-election. There are a variety of reasons with the economy and other factors, his age, that may make it very hard for Biden to reach that historic threshold, which means that in order for him to win re-election, particularly if he's running against Trump, he's going to have to convince some people who are dissatisfied with his performance that the alternative uh, is even worse. And I think Liz Cheney here is, is showing what a powerful asset she can be uh, in making the case that Trump is simply unacceptable. He's an existential threat to American democracy as we have known it. Uh, there may not be a huge number of Republican primary voters who will accept that message, but the issue for Joe Biden is probably going to be, are there four or five points of general election voters who are dissatisfied with the economy or disenchanted with his performance or think he is too old, who, as in 2022, will vote for Democrats anyway because they view the Trump alternative as too extreme. And I think this book gives you a preview uh, of the kind of uh, firepower that Liz Cheney can bring to making that argument, perhaps along with some other former first-term Trump officials, you know, like uh, John Kelly and Mark Esper, potentially. So I, I think this shows, uh, gives you an idea of what, what a, a player on the board she might be in 2024 in what is going to be a crucial effort for Biden to win some voters who are not wowed uh, by his record over his four years. Yeah, so many outspoken people who worked for him or at one point supported him. Uh, Ron, thank you so much for talking about this with us. We appreciate it. Uh, the member of Congress who now has the gavel, second in line to the yeah. presidency, Mike Johnson, uh, is part of the group, maybe even, I would say, a leader in the group to try to push uh, against the notion of Joe Biden becoming president and uh, pushing the idea that Donald Trump did. This is something that, that uh, Liz Cheney said about him. Johnson appeared especially susceptible to flattery from Trump and aspired to being anywhere in Trump's orbit. When I confronted him with the flaws in his legal arguments, Johnson would of often concede or say something to the effect of, we just need to do this one last thing for Trump. I think, to me, reading this again, the most striking thing is, is the legal argument. Because one of the um, bona fides of, uh, of, of Mike Johnson is that he's a very good lawyer. And that's how he came up, as a very good lawyer. And so the arguments that he was making after the election in 2020 and the, the work that he did, even on a, an amicus brief, was, were legal arguments. And the fact that Liz Cheney, also a lawyer, were, was going at him saying, no, no. And according to her, he said, well, maybe it's not so much about that. But he also, nothing has changed, right? I mean, he's already endorsed the former president for, um, for, for president again. So this is someone who has remained uh, faithful to the former president throughout. And the other thing that strikes me about this, about your excerpts, Jamie, is just how consistent, not only from Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzinger, Peter Meyer, who's not running again, but for Senate, um, they've had the same accounts of the members who said, you know, I would love to do this, but I'm afraid. Um, but, you know, I, but I, but I want to run for election again. But, but, but it's all very consistent. So for those who are trying to discredit her, discredit her, and we've seen that in your reporting, some of the things that have been said, she's not the only one. There's a lot of people saying the exact same thing who took the, a different path. I, I will say it's interesting, like Trump said this belongs in the fiction section, mm -hmm. and Kevin McCarthy's spokesman said something about that she has uh, McCarthy derangement syndrome. Nobody is saying it's that not what true. we reported exactly. is not yeah. true. Or what she said <laughs> what is she not true. Yeah. Correct.
tell me about the um, parts of this book about Nancy Pelosi. So I think, and I think just big picture, one of the most interesting things about the January 6th committee was the relationship between Nancy Pelosi and Liz Cheney. And she writes about that in the book, that she feels like a visitor from another planet when she goes in for this first meeting. But there's a part that really struck me because Pelosi's staff, Cheney writes, went to Pelosi before she invited her into the committee and they gave her all of these things, this list of nasty political things, typical sort of political trash talk that Cheney had said about Pelosi. Mm -hmm. And Pelosi said to them, Cheney writes, why are you wasting my time with things that don't matter? Mm. And I think what you see in the book is, on the surface, it seems like an unlikely alliance but they're really very similar. There was no daylight between them. That is so interesting, yeah. I mean, she's a grown-up. She's seen a lot exactly. of that before. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Great reporting.